podcast land. You are set to dial once again to Combat Sports with Ronda, your first best and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. I am your host, the Rhino. You have dialed into episode 62. If you can believe it, we are at episode 62 of CSWR. My guest today will be joining us is UFC featherweight, the fighting Hawaiian, Kai Kamaka. I hope you guys stay tuned for that a little bit later on the show. Today's schedule is as follows. We are going to cover the triumphant return of one of my most favorite promotions, Lion Fight, American Muay Thai. It was Lion Fight 63 from Cheyenne, Wyoming. We're just going to cover the co-main and main event. Uh, that was on Friday night on UFC Fight Pass. Of course, our full UFC 258 pay-per-view breakdown. Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Picks for UFC Vegas 19, the fight night coming up next weekend. Q&A with the Rhino Gang. And then, of course, the aforementioned UFC featherweight Kai, the fight in Hawaii Kamaka, goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So, as we love to say every week, Let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Lion Fight 63 from, like I said, Cheyenne, Wyoming. This was their first uh, time on UFC Fight Pass, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, they used to be on Access TV, which I used to follow them religiously. I watch Lion Fights. Gosh, I love Muay Thai. I know Drea does, too. So the co-main event was Washington Dos Santos versus Baranti Nelson. Uh, this one was, as a typical UFC, not UFC, a typical line fight goes, stand-up war, back and forth. There was very heavy punches in this one. They didn't throw as many kicks as you normally see or knees in a line fight, but uh, this was in the cruiserweight division, which is 190 pounds in line fights. Uh, Dos Santos was ble- bled open on his left eye. He was bloody. Baranti had you know welts all over himself. As a typical fight goes with them, but man, it was fun. Majority decision was to Washington Dos Santos, then moving into the main event, and this is one of the best nicknames I've ever heard in my life. The main event was for the North American Cruiserweight title, again, 190-pound weight class. Um, Chris Head Trauma Trammel versus Hassan H-Smash Osin, and this one was quick. Okay. Uh, Hassan, they said, came in uh, a little bit overweight, so he wasn't able to win the title, but if Chris would have won, he could have gotten the title, and Chris looked like chiseled out of granite. Hassan had kind of a paunchy belly. They said he had, he had started his weight cut at like 250 pounds, or and he got down to 190, so pretty cool on him to be able to work so hard to do that, but Trammel looked on paper like he was going to run through. Not the case, dude. Hassan hit him with a, I mean, early. Hit him with a huge, I'm going to say half hook, half shovel punch right to his mouth. Chris goes down, doesn't get up on time. The referee stops it. TKO. Wow. It was exciting. It was fast. God knows I love Lions. <laughs> so if you guys haven't already, you should definitely check that out. If you like stand up fighting in the striking line fights on UFC fight pass. All right, let's go ahead and get into our, the meat of the matter. If you will, UFC pay-per-view from last night, UFC 258 from Las Vegas, Nevada. We had UFC 258's first one was supposed to be Rhino gang member and amazing fighter. Miranda fear the Maverick versus Jillian Robertson. Apparently Jillian was got sick that morning. She didn't tell anybody or nobody told uh, Miranda Fear the Mavericks camp until like a couple hours before they were supposed to fight. So pretty pissed off. I was the rhino was pretty pissed off. I mean, I'm not trying if it was something emergent or something terrible. I don't want to go too hard on Jillian. But like I said before to some of the fellows in one of the group chats, we all fight sick, bro. That's part of it. You know what I mean? And 
if this was if this was something that you knew was going to happen, let people know more in advance than the day of. I don't know. I just I've always hated that the day of pullout. It really sticks in my craw. Really bothers me. I hope Miranda gets a fight with somebody else very very soon. All right, moving into the actual first fight, Gabe Green versus Philip Rowe. This one was interesting. Gabe is a very tough, strong striker. Philip was more of a stick and moves, you know, keep it on the outside. But the big deal was those leg kicks that Green was throwing on Rowe. After a while, Rowe couldn't even barely move. For some reason, Gabe still went to the ground with him, but that's neither here nor there. I actually gave Philip Rowe the fight two rounds to one because of the takedowns and the top control and Green only one round. But they gave the decision to Green. I could see a case for him winning two of the three, so no big deal. Uh, I'm not going to say that was a robbery of any sort. So good win for Gabe Green. Um, we'll see what's next for Philip Bro. I think he's got a bright future at 170 as well. Uh, moving into our second fight, we had um, the catchweight bout of Andre Ewell versus Chris Gutierrez. Now, this one was really close for the first two. The first fight, lots of movement by Andre, but Chris was landing a little bit more, a little bit harder. The second round, the... Uh, the movement of Honor Yule and the counter striking and the, the way he would close distance with kind of like that sweeping in, punching or kick was absolutely beautiful to watch. But the third round was all Gutierrez, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because I'm biased because Rhino, you know, he's a Rhino, you honor a Rhino gang guy. But yeah, Chris Gutierrez definitely got the win. He definitely won the third round. Two rounds to one. I gave it to him for Chris Gutierrez at a catch rate of 140. I know Andre, Mr. Highlight, you will be back. Love that dude. Can't wait to see him fight next. All righty, moving into Pollyanna Viana versus Mallory Martin. Uh, this one was quick, dude. Pollyanna Viana pulled guard very quickly, slapped on triangle, switched it to an arm bar. Uh, beautiful transition. Mallory, you know, to her credit, really tried hard to get out of it, but there was no getting out of it. Pollyanna Viana got the arm bar by sub. I uh, got the sub via arm bar, I should say, round one. Beautiful submission win for her. Uh, moving into our next fight, we had um, Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad versus Diego Lima. Now, Bilal looked better than I think he's ever looked at his, in his career, dude. His constant forward motion was really impressive. The The amount of cardio that that takes, we all know, it's, it's insane. It's off the charts. He threw lots of punches, did a great job on the body. Diego, I think, did well in spots, particularly with those calf kicks and the leg kicks, but he just seemed to be overwhelmed. Bilal Muhammad clearly won the entire, from start to finish, Great job for Bilal. He definitely deserves to be, uh, you know, move up the ranks a little bit and give a give him a shot against somebody in that top twelve or maybe even top ten. I'd love to see him go against somebody at one seventy uh, uh, for his next fight in the top ten ranks if I, if they could. So, all right, moving into the crazy upset of the night: Rodolfo Vieira versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Now, I know a lot of people don't follow the submission grappling life or you know or that world as closely, but to be honest. I, and I don't either, but I, I definitely have heard of Rodolfo Vieira. He, he he came in with all of the credit, seven-time Abu Dhabi champion or whatever. I mean, unbelievable jiu-jitsu practitioner. Anthony Hernandez, fluffy, didn't give a shit, dude. <laughs> he shirked off every single sub-attempt early. Vieira really blew up, and he's carrying a ton of muscle, as we all saw. Really blew up tired-wise. To get into the second round, Anthony just lit him up. Beautiful stoppage. And then Anthony 
gets down after he hurts Rodolfo, gets him down and gets the uh, gets the arm and guillotine tap. So he tapped the seven-time Abu Dhabi champion. Wow. And then the kid was confident on the mic with Joe Rogan afterwards. Really, really impressive stuff for Fluffy Hernandez. So, wow. That was definitely the upset of the night. No question asked. Moving into the main card. Now, we did, remember, we lost two fights because we also lost the uh, Bobby Green versus Jim Miller. So moving into the main card, we had Julian Marquez versus Maki Patolo. What a fight, man. <laughs> you want to talk about nonstop. Nobody had an advantage for very long. I mean, this was it. My beautiful, I shouldn't say beautiful technically, but like really hard shots landed by both guys. Uh, lots of takedowns, lots of reversals, some sub attempts. So we got, we had blood, we had guts, we had everything involved in this fight. It was too fun. Um, eventually towards the end of the third, I had Maki, I had both rounds. And then in the third, Julian Marquez gets a submission with kind of a modified anaconda choke. He was kind of in a sideways position. I don't know, but dude, it was awesome. What a great fight. Uh, and I know Juice loves Maki Matolo's nickname so much, and I know that probably hurt him to see Julian Marquez get that sub, but wow. Beautiful fight at 185 pounds for those two guys. Love to see them both uh, get back to it. Uh, e either way, I know Coconut Bob has lost several in a row, but man, that was an exciting fight. I want to see him back. Alrighty, moving into Ricky Simone versus Brian Keller. Another fast start, you know, kind of like the previous fight. Uh, Ricky was able to cut Brian early, a nice cut kind of on the bridge of the nose, near the eyebrow, then another one over the eyebrow. This one was Ricky Simone. I mean, Brian Keller had his spots, but Ricky Simone, I thought, clearly won all three rounds. They gave him the unanimous decision, so they obviously, obviously agreed with the old Rhino on that one. So, yeah, Brian Keller may be a really uh, – Big Twitter rapper, as it were, and he's he's a good fighter. But Ricky Simone was not to be denied last night. Already moving into Ian Heinish versus Calvin Gastelum. This one was interesting in that they both had good exchanges. Both guys were moving very well on their feet. They're both of them were most kind of like squatty, plotting strikers when they do that. But they seem to both move very well. The main difference in this one, obviously, was Calvin Gastelum's takedowns. Six takedowns, including a couple of very dynamic slams. Uh, definitely gave him. I know Ian outlanded him a little bit on the feet, but it, it was definitely the definitely the takedowns, the top control for Kelvin gave him a good win. He he looked good in this fight. I was impressed to see Kelvin Gastelum in this fight. Uh, big win for him. We'll see what's next for him at 185. Moving into our co-main event, we had Macy Barber. Boo, Macy Barber. Boo, going against Alexa Grasso. Uh, I gave Alexa the first two rounds. I thought they both had good exchanges, but Alexa's movement, her side to side step, her her ability to get jet, land that jab was really good. Macy seemed to be kind of a day late, a dollar short in the first two rounds, but then in the third, Barber really turned it on. I gave her the third round. She did more damage to Grasso. She had that late take. Down. But overall, Alexa Grasso outlanded Macy Barber 95 to 50 in strikes. If you almost double your opponents in strikes, you're going to win almost every time. I gave it two rounds to one Alexa Grasso. She got the unanimous decision. Great win for her. Macy Barber goes back down the bench. All right. So that's going to be our uh, everything through the coal main. Before we get into our main event breakdown, let's go ahead and give our feature play Andrea a call. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now joining us is our feature play, Andrea. We're going to go ahead and get into our main event breakdown between Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. Andrea, thank you for joining us yet again this week. Of course. So, in our main event, the welterweight championship was on the line. Um, basically, what it came down to for me from what I saw, and then we're going to get your thoughts on it, was mm -hmm. Kamaru Usman's jab and his ability to shuck off 
all of the Gilbert Burns takedowns. Kamaru Usman looked great. I thought he was just going to grind Gilbert up against the fence the entire time. That was kind of my prediction. Not the case. Right. It did he not go that way. In the middle. <laughs> he jabbed. He threw nice twos, couple, a couple of beautiful uppercuts. Uh, Kamaru Usman did a fantastic job on the feet. Gilbert Burns tried like, like hell, you know what I mean, to keep a fight, mm-hmm. to get himself in a position to win, but n- not to be fucking had, dude. Kamaru Usman, 36 seconds into round three. The jab powered right into Gilbert Burns' mush, put him on the ground. Kamaru jumped on top for some GMP. TKO in the third. Kamaru outlanded Gilbert 93 to 55 in just three rounds. That's a shit ton of strikes. Well, basically for two rounds and 36 seconds, right? So, yeah, great performance by Kamaru Usman. Did not go the way I thought it was going to. What was your take on the fight? I mean, pretty much exactly the same, although uh, I give credit to Burns in the first round because I feel like he could have almost had him in the first round. I mean, he was throwing shots on him that that rocked him. Um, and then once he tried to throw that that head kick that Usman uh, kind of caught it and then he fell to his back and then just kind of laid there, you know, hoping he'd come to the ground with him for so long. That's when it, it just, it went awry. It went the wrong, the wrong direction. If he would have, you know, tried to get up faster and stand up with him and could have gone differently either way going into, you know, the end of round one and then round two was just all Usman. Um, and the way you mentioned his jab, the way he switches stances, you know, going from Orthodox to Southpaw, yeah. that, that freaking jab when he switches to to southpaw is just crazy. It's like a bomb. <laughs> it's like, and that's, you know, ultimately what, you know, what finished it off for him. But that freaking jab with the right is just powerful. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. It was later in the uh, Q&A fun. section about. Uh, about his jab and about working with Trevor Whitman. So again, great performance by Kamaru Usman. We, we'll talk a little bit later about what's next. So without further ado, let's get into Drea's world famous drop of the night. Well, last night was basically a night of subs and decisions going into the main event. So obviously my drop of the night is going to have to come from Usman versus Burns. Um, Like we just discussed, you know, in the third round, Usman, he was able to get that TKO finish over Burns um, with that beautiful drop from his jab. Um, He switched stances through that right hand uh, jab and just knocked Burns to his ass and uh, finished him with the ground and pound. So. Uh, it was a great fight. It did not go the way I thought it was going to, and we kind of just discussed that. Um, I thought it was definitely going to be more of a on the cage type of thing, but he he showed up and he threw down and he gets my drop of the night. So Kamar Usman is my Dre's drop of the night. Absolutely, yeah. It was it's one of those slim pickings kind of a night where you don't have much to go on, but at least the one we do have for your world famous Dre's drop of the night it was like the beginning of the finishing sequence, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. a very, very good one. So this coming Saturday, we've got UFC Vegas 19. So we're going to go ahead and get into our main card picks. I'll go ahead and lead us off. I've got, uh, I got Rafael Alves beating Pat Sabatini by unanimous decision. What do you got on that one, Drea? I have Alves uh, with a unanimous decision. Copycat. I know. All right. <laughs> uh, Phil Hawes versus Nasruddin Imovov. I've got Phil by also by unanimous decision in that one. What's your call, Drea? <laughs> um, copycat again. I'm going Hawes with a <laughs> unanimous decision for that one as well. Fair enough. Uh, then we got Charles Rosa 
who has proven himself not to be just a really good fighter, but a very good commentator, as I've seen him on some other promotions uh, doing the, the commentating role, versus forever long vet Derek Miner. I got Charles Rosa, third round, TKO via punches. What about you, Drea? Oh, I'm going Derek uh, Miner, and I think I think he's going to pull off a sub. I'm going round two sub. Round two sub for Derek. Okay. Moving into, man, I love this guy. Alexi Olenek. He's he's one of the few people in the UFC still who's actually older than the old Rhino, dude. And he's still out there <laughs> doing it. He has got a very tough task for him uh, in front of him with Chris. With Chris Dawkins. Who yeah. We've all seen him really blitz. I mean, just really doing a good job getting through his uh, his opponents. So, but I'm going old school, man. I'm going. I'm going Alexi Olenek. Going and he got Anaconda choke in round three over Chris. Anaconda choke round three is my call on that one. What say you? Okay, today? so we're gonna have two fights different so far. Uh, I'm going to um, Chris Dacus, and I'm I'm thinking a round two KO. Oh, you're going clean KO. I'm going clean KO. Nice. All right, then we're moving into Ketlin Vieta versus Yana Kuniskaya. It's hard for me to pick against Yana Kuniskaya because I love her and mm-hmm. Tiago Santos as a couple. I, I just I love them together. I think they're so cute <laughs> and slash badass. But I think Ketlin is on a is is going to have her number on that night. I got Ketlin Vieta by unanimous decision over Yana Kuniskaya. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm taking Ketlin Vieta as uh, with a unanimous decision as well. And then another fight night headlined by the old heavyweights, the big boys, the 265 <laughs> plus, my guys, my division, my homies, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. I, I think this one could be not the most exciting fight in the world, Derek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think agree. Curtis Blades is going to be able to take Derek Lewis up against the cage. Uh, do his thing. I think he's going to take him down quite a bit. Uh, and when he is on the ground, I think he's going to be able to hold him down. Derek Lewis obviously has phenomenal power on the feet and could knock out Curtis with a shot. We all know that. I mm-hmm. think the more likely scenario is Curtis really dominating not only against the Cajun and in the clinch, but also on the ground with top control. I got Curtis Blades winning by fifth round TKO over Derek Lewis. Fifth round TKO. Um. I am with you, except a different round. I think it's going to go a little bit further, and I am taking Blades with the TKO in round four. It's not going further since I picked round five. And oh, you said five. Four. Oh, my bad. Sorry. For some reason, I thought you said three. So, no, sooner than, I guess, round four. We are we are in cahoots on what? Three or four of the main card? Uh, yes. I think we have... Okay. Because once yeah. again, Drea, as you know, and what we, we have two different. do is we tied last night in our pick. <laughs> I know. Hey, I'll take it because it's better than losing to you. <laughs> you've been winning the last several, so I'll take a tie any day. Oh, you'll take the tie. Okay. But I hope, <laughs> I hope either you beat me or I beat you next week. Yeah. I don't like the tie. I'm going to beat you. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. we got some great ones today. Uh, I know our first one comes to the homie Brian at Home and Sale. What does he have for us this week, Drea? All right. Besides the main event, what fights are you most interested in on next week's Vegas 19 card? I am I am really looking forward to there's two that really jump off the page for me. Obviously, Jared Vandera, the mountain, Rhino Gang, 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 of course. But <laughs> then Drakkar Close, my fellow Michiganiac, 
versus violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena. I think that that fight has the potential to be one of the ones that we talk about around the water cooler the following Monday. Drakkar Close is a nonstop moving forward banger, right? Violent right. Bob Ross, not known for that, and but he does a good job when they are the feet. He throws a little bit more dynamic strikes, a little bit more knees and elbows, a little bit more of a Muay Thai. And if it goes to the ground, Bob Ross has a great ground game, and Drakkar Close hasn't really proven a ton of groundwork. So I think this has a lot of really interesting layers to it. Violet Bob Ross, very tall, very lanky. Drakkar Close, shorter, stockier, more muscular. It's got all the potential to be a really, really fun fight. So, yes, Jared Vandera, of course, against, against Spivak. Uh, and then, but definitely Drakkar Close versus Violent Bob Ross. I'm really looking forward to that one on the undercard. So thank you very much, Holman Sale. All right, let's move into RSP uh, for his next question, Drea. Okay, so this is regarding siblings in MMA. So Diaz, uh, Lozon, Miller, Guida, Rua, Ellenberger, Nogueira, Hughes, Pettis, Fryer, Overeem, Omanit, I'm going to say that wrong. Omelianenko, Lima, Burns, Shamrock, Reyes, Shevchenko. With the Diaz bros being the exception to the rule with pretty much equal levels of popularity, there almost always seems to be a massive disparity between MMA siblings in terms of skill and popularity level. One always far exceeds the other. One gets a spot on the main card, the other midway through the prelims. What is it that makes fans gravitate towards one and not the other? Why do we never seem to embrace both members of the fighting family? P.S. The Gracies don't count in this situation as half of them aren't really Gracies. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, that's a great question, RSV. Very in-depth, and I, I loved it, man. So I think part of it is exactly what you said. With seemingly one sibling is usually far more successful than the other one. And the masses, especially... People who don't always watch, they tend to gravitate to the more successful one uh, with their fandom, right? I feel like there's kind of an under-the-surface animosity of some fans and maybe some other fighters alike for the second sibling to come along and that maybe they got pushed past other fighters that were more deserving for their spot, right? Maybe they got, instead of an undercard, they got in the main card. Or maybe instead of having to have, you know, 15 fights on the regional scene, they only had four. You know what I mean? You kind of get pushed to the head of the line if you are related to a more successful, already established UFC big name. And I think we've definitely seen that in the past before. Uh, another part I feel like is that, you know, there, there are some siblings that really only got into the sport because their brother or sister was in it already. I don't think it was their passion or something they really, really wanted to do. And they just kind of did it because, well, my brother or my sister does it. I, I Maybe I should do it, too. And they probably got people chirping at them or maybe offering them a little bit more money than they normally would get. So I came up with a couple of examples. So Mark Hughes is Matt, Matt Hughes' twin brother, longtime 170-pound champion. He was 5-1 and one in MMA, dude. He won his fight in the UFC. He retired after six fights because it's just not something he had passion for. It's not something he really wanted to continue to pursue. Um, it just wasn't for him, right? That This is Mark Hughes I'm talking about. And then you look at a situation like Chuck Liddell's brother, Sean. Sean was at almost all of, if not all of, Chuck Liddell's UFC fights in the corner. You could tell he was a big fan of his brother. You could tell he was interested in MMA. He loved it. You know, he was really into it, but he just didn't have the same level of talent that Chuck did, right? I mean, they're totally different body types, totally different everything. Sean went one and two. So I think he realized in his pro career that wasn't for him. So I think not only do they, some siblings get in for like 
just the idea of maybe the money and they don't have the passion for it, or they just don't have the same level of talent. And that's an unfortunate reality of the sport. So again, I think there's several components to your question, but yeah, dude, great question. RSP. I hope I answered it sufficiently, sir, and that you're doing well up there in Canada way. And speaking of Canada, we got our third, uh, third one. No, I'm not speaking of Canada. What am I talking about? Speaking <laughs> of Texas, we got our homie Scott Nolan. What does Scott have for us this week, Drea? Rhino and Drea. I'm so sorry, my friends, but things have been busy here as of late, and I've been slacking. Question for both of you, if you want. It's Valentine's Day. You each get to pick one fighter, any sport, any promotion, to go on an all-expenses-paid day night out. Who y'all picking, and what are y'all doing? And he did that all capitals, y'all. I know he just wanted me to say that. Um, <laughs> See that I, mean? <laughs> I got a super in there. <laughs> uh, love you so guys. Kinda, Hope all is well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we answered a similar question a few weeks ago, but it wasn't a Valentine's Day, nor was it all expenses paid. So we'll go ahead and revise it for this particular question. It doesn't change much for me. It's me still the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. Oh, I would love to go on a date with her. You know, again, we, we'll preface this by saying, let's say all parties are single, right? So for me, it would for sure be the karate hottie. I would love to go out on a boat all day in some nice weather, grill out, do some swimming, listen to some tunes. In the evening, you know, get showered up, get get into some comfy clothes, watch a UFC and some high-level boxing on two simultaneously broadcasting big screen TVs. You want to talk about romance? You're talking to the rhino, okay? <laughs> I think Michelle, the karate out of water suit, would be down for that. That's absolutely my answer, Drea. What are you going with on this one? Um, it's funny. He says all expenses paid and everything, and I still didn't do anything like crazy. I'm not all into like expensive travel type stuff. I just kind of stuck with um, something kind of corny. But if I could go out with anybody, um, Brian Ortega. And as corny as it sounds, I'd love to do one of those like karate kid style dates, like miniature golf and arcade, you know, arcade games and junk food or something like that. Or even um, I know he's been flossing his uh, his new Jeep around and stuff like that. So maybe like a day of four wheeling or something like that in the Jeep that looks like it could be a fun date um and then just ending with with same thing like you said dinner fights maybe watching fights or something like that yeah nothing too crazy yeah yeah i I don't think either of us are the uh the type that we need to be you know go on an expensive date where you know everything's five star and all that we're we're, we're more simple than that right. you know what i mean some pizza and beer and i'm good yeah that would definitely be <laughs> sounds like a very cool date for you and brian ortega and then i'll give you a high five as we pass you by uh <laughs> with the karate out of your shotgun so right. Drea, thank you so much that has careened our way into the end of your segment you knocked it out of the park yet again we tied last night we need to have a, a we're gonna have to have a more definitive win next week. We'll see who wins between the two of us. So, Drea, once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. All right. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino Game. Let's go ahead and get our voice questions. I know our first question my homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, formerly FWM. What do you got for us this week, Juice? (sighs) The tea is hot this morning, isn't it, Rhino? What's up, everybody? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. It's a rebrand. Look it up. And last week, I bullied you into picking Alexa Grasso over Macy Barber. You're welcome. She won. And But I also asked you about two fights 
both of which ended up getting scrapped from the card. One of them just hours before, which you're still pissed about. Anyway, uh, my question for you is this. When do you think we're going to get another Brazilian champion? Obviously, we have Jefferson Figueiredo and Amanda Nunes. Um, but apparently a Brazilian has never won the welterweight title, and that's super interesting to me. Uh, what do you think? Get at me. Oh, dude, for me, the best chance for the next Brazilian champion is definitely Du Bronx. Charles Oliveira and lightweight. He is the he. Well, first of all, he has the record for the most submission wins in UFC history. He's definitely going to get that title shot. I think either if not his next fight, then maybe the fight after. Uh, I think obviously I think Dustin and Justin are probably ahead of him. And I think they are ahead of him in the rankings. But I think Charles Oliveira is the most dynamic submission guy in the entire UFC. I'd love to see him get a shot at the title, and I think he's had a great chance of winning it. So for me, that's the next possible or the most likely next champion in the UFC from the country of Brazil. So great question, Juicy Fruit Baby. Thank you very much, sir. All right, let's move into our big homie, Jim soon. Jim, what do you got for us this week? Bye, dude. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and Ron again. Hope you all are doing well. Um, what do you mean, event? Man, those two did really well. Really, really well. Great job. Um, wasn't happy with Usman calling out Moss at all, but I get it. It's a money fight. You know what I mean? That's where the money is, right? I get it. Um, my question for you is who's next for Usman? I say Colby. But I'd love to see that fight, but um, I remember Fight Geek saying the uh, Wonder Boy there last night which I don't mind at all. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't see Wonder Boy beating him either. But anyways, it is what it is. Keep up the great work, guys. We love it. It's always 420. Peace. I'm with you, Jim. I'd love to have Wonder Boy get that next shot, but I just don't think it's it's going to happen. I think I think it's going to be Colby, you know. And I know that everyone's talking about George or Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> Versus Usman, I think Jorge is coming off of a loss, dude. I have a really big problem, almost every single possible angle of a guy coming off of a loss and getting a shot at the title. Colby had a good showing when he fought Kamaru, right? Um, and he won his last fight. Now, granted, it was against T-Wood, but it was still a win in the UFC in the division against top 10 ranked guys. So I, I think Kamaru wins it again if he fights Colby. And to be honest with you, I'd love to see it because, you know, Colby would talk all of his nonsense before. And I think Kamaru would put a stamp on him yet again. So I think it's going to be Colby versus Usman next. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, you know, could it be the winner if they if they put Colby versus uh Colby versus Edwards could be the winner of that, sure. Um, but I just I think it's going to be Colby either way. So that's what I think on that one, Jim. Thank you so much for that question, my brother. All right, let's move into my man Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Dave, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, something a bit different for you today. So you and I watched some of uh, Lion Fight 63 together on Friday night. Uh, good times. It's good to see uh, some good old stand-up uh, only. And uh, when you get into some movie tie like that, it's a little bit different. <clears throat> and uh, traditionally, I've watched a lot of it years ago, but haven't recently. So for somebody who 
is wanting to get back into some Muay Thai and even some kickboxing, where is a really great place to start? Uh, if you could tell me uh, three fighters to go back and to look through some of their library and then perhaps uh, three fights, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Love the show. Talk soon. Peace. Yeah, homie, our uh, our watch alongs that we have for like lion fights and LFA and stuff, they're always so fun, bro. It's it's, it's like the highlight of my Friday uh, is talking to my boy Dave Fretz doing the watch alongs. So my favorite three Muay Thai fighters in the history since I've been watching it, which is over twenty years, are, are, are definitely dude. I knew him right away when you asked the question. Yokes and Clyde Fairtex. Okay, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's <laughs> Yod San Clyde Fairtex. Ramon Deckers, and of course, John Wayne Parr, Reynolds Gang. Uh, if you look at any of those championship fights that any of those guys have across their entire illustrious careers, which there's tons of footage of of all three guys, I guarantee you anybody who likes the stand-up in MMA is going to at least appreciate the art and the beautiful violence that is Muay Thai, done at a very high level specifically. So again, Yotsin Klai, Fairtex, Ramon Decker, Deckers, excuse me, and of course John Wayne Parr. Those are my three. Any one of their championship fights in their history, check them out. Everybody will love them. I'm telling you, if you like striking, you'll love that high level of Muay Thai. So thank you very much, Dave Fretz. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. He's the Einstein of Rev Design. All right, let's move into our fourth voice question from my man, D. Kranz. D. Kranz, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, brother? Wow, uh, Usman looked great last night. I wanted to hear your thoughts on Usman's boxing and the work he's putting in with Trevor Whitman. That's quite the jab, eh? Jesus Christ. Um, and are there any up-and-coming boxers that we might not know about that you're keeping your eye on? Uh, if you could rattle off a couple names, that'd be sweet. I'd like to follow a couple of these guys. Um, I hope everyone has a happy Sunday. And please, everybody listening to this, be my Valentine. Mwah. Love ya. <laughs> yeah, man, Usman's boxing has massively improved, that's for sure. Everyone that Trevor Whitman seems to work with gets significantly better in two very specific ways. Their speed and their placement, you know, i.e. their accuracy. The speed and the accuracy of their strikes just really seems to go two or three or four levels above what it previously was. Once Trevor Whitman gets a hold of you, it, it, he is a fantastic coach, and he really seems to um, get his message through to his fighters. So, yeah, absolutely great observation, 100% a co-sign on that. Uh, and then a couple of prospects in the sport of boxing to keep an eye on over the next couple of years are, are the first one is a guy named Felix Cash. He's a middleweight out of England. He's 13 and 0, but different than a lot of 13 and 0 guys. He has already fought really good competition. Okay. His last four or five fights. He, of course, like everybody else, he was given, you know, some cans early on. I hate using that term, but it's true. Um, early on. But his last four or five or six fights, he has fought real good fighters. Even better than a lot of guys who might have twice the record that he does. But at 13 and 0, Felix Cash out of England. Very, very tough middleweight. I really like this kid. I think he's going to be something special as we move forward. Another prospect to keep an eye on is American heavyweight Jermaine Franklin. He's 20-0 now. He has good power, which you have to have a heavyweight, but he also can really box when he gets put into a situation where he needs to. He's 27 years old, which 
kind of you're just kind of getting into your your heavyweight years right that late 20s early 30s guys really kind of your prime although some guys really hold it all the way through to their 40 or even beyond but i think jermaine franklin and you know a little biased he's a michiganiac i think he's out of saginaw but he is a fantastic fighter a really good prospect i would love to see where he's at uh next year i'm hoping maybe 25 46 and 0 uh and then moving into that tier of the top heavyweights you know where i mentioned the three kings all the time i would love to see him fight uh, any one of those three guys would you know obviously be in the bronze bomber tyson fear or anthony joshua so jermaine franklin dude that's my other one so jermaine franklin and felix cash those are my two answers on that one thank you so much d crimes i hope you find exactly the right valentine for you today my dude Alrighty, after a quick word from our sponsor we're going to get into our 10 rounds with rhino with ufc 145 supreme kai the fighting hawaiian kamaka Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, kandrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we've got ourselves a very special guest for you today on CSWR. Joining me today is UFC featherweight, the Fighting Hawaiian, Kai Kamaka. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. No problem. I'm glad, glad to be on. <laughs> oh, we, are, we are entirely stoked to have you on, too, my friend. So, Kai, round one with 10 rounds of rhinos, where we'd like to find out where and how uh, the UFC fighter has gotten himself into this crazy world of mixed martial arts. So, how'd you get started in the MMA, dude? Um, my family had, like, uh, was really into, or was a really big part of the the local MMA scene in Hawaii, the the the, the, the history wise, and um, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Just because Hawaii Hawaii MMA holds a big part in MMA itself. You got like um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Super Brawl promotion and the Icon Sport, Rum on the Rock. Those are like three of the biggest promotions uh, at during their time. And yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of my uncle Ray Cooper and my uncle Ronald John they competed on those promotions. My uh, my dad, my, my uncle David Paului, they all competed on those promotions. And uh, yeah, they were kind of like the pioneers of Hawaii MMA, which um, which Hawaii MMA also plays a big role in MMA, the sport itself. So. Yeah, one hundred percent, dude. I absolutely am very familiar with Rumble on the Rock, and actually, when I had uh, Monica Franco uh, on a few weeks ago, we talked. I brought up Rumble on the Rock. I had a buddy of mine who fought. Uh, there and he got beat up by Andre Arlovsky pretty good. So <laughs> I know oh. on the rock. Very cool, man. Um, 
So you're scheduled uh, to fight TJ Brown on May 1st for UFC Fight Night. Have your coaches already kind of started working on some things specific to this upcoming fight? Or is this kind of, we're just kind of working on sharpening the overall game right now because it's too early to get real specific for TJ? Um, I mean, I think it's what it's been like a one one whole week or a week, eight days since I got the fight. So it's just been, we just been like adding, adding some stuff in, nothing towards TJ Brown or anything, but just sharpening our toolbox, adding some stuff in. And then, you know, like really soon we're going to, we're going to start, um, you know, gearing up for the fight. But as far as right now, I mean, yeah, it's kind of too far to where we're just adding our own stuff in stuff that we like, stuff that we, stuff that we see. And, um, yeah, so it's it's been a good um, couple of weeks, and since I mean, good week too since I got the fight. You know, just kind of still improving, still adding stuff on. So, yeah, definitely eleven weeks out. There's lots and lots of times to get a real specific game plan. You're right on that, dude. So, Kai, just 26 years old and only 11 fight ever lights in your pro career. Uh, you've already got wins in the LFA, Bellator, the UFC. So clearly, the big lights of big promotions don't bother you at all. Do you feel like the way you grew up and being in the promotions that you were kind of exposed to when you were young, do you think that kind of helped prepare you for your current career in MMA? Oh, I mean, most definitely. Like, I had the opportunity, like, good opportunities of fighting in, like, I mean, good regional promotions, good, I mean, and I'm at, I fought in the best promotions in the world. Um, so, and I, but as growing up, I, I was around, like, the biggest promotions at, at the time, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it did, definitely did because I wasn't, like, starstruck, you know, by anything as far as, like, the fighters that I'm around. It was just more of a relief that um, now I'm around, now I'm one of these fighters. That, that was more of the mindset change. Like, it was, like, it was more relief, like, wow, fi- like, um, thank God I'm finally here. Now it's, you know, now right where I belong. And that was the, that was the only difference. I, yeah, I completely understand. And what a great leg up that you were given uh, having that opportunity uh, as a youngster. So now we see that we see the fruits of that labor, dude. We see how that has kind of affected you in your career as it stands right now, which is so awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bounce ahead because we've already kind of touched on it. But the 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 Fighting Hawaiian is a fantastic nickname, dude. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but what a rich history of fighters from Hawaii. Obviously, the relatives that you mentioned, of course, Max, BJ, Yancey, Brad Tavares, Ali Malay, of course, my aforementioned girl, Monica Franco. Um, who actually gave you that moniker uh, of the Fighting Hawaiian, and, and when did you get that? I got that um, when I was in college. Um I was living in Nebraska, training at Premier Combat Center, and um, yeah, like guys like Derek Minner, um, Houston Alexander, Ryan Jensen, Joe Ellenberger, and you know, I mean, I'm in the Midwest, and I'm the only Hawaiian, and you know, it's just that's that's how it kind of came about, and you know, yeah, I mean, so I kind of have like a uh, what was that called? I mean, the, the name came in a cool way because I was the only Hawaiian in. Like at at the at Premier Combat Center, and you know, just I was a young kid. I was like twenty, twenty one, and yeah, that's how that's how it came about. I was the only, I was a young, I was like, I was a new new guy coming up in the gym, and that's how it got started. Oh, very cool, dude! You just talked about it a little bit. You're all, you're obviously you're from the. Uh... You're from the ultra beautiful state of Hawaii. That's where you grew up. But you've been living in in Las Vegas for a while now. How has the adjustment been for you uh, moving from Hawaii to Las Vegas? Not not that hard. Not at all. I mean, 
it's it's not like living in the Midwest where food, you know, like food is just so far from home that the culture, um, it's you know, it's very close to home. It's it's the it's a what is it called? It's the Ninth Island, and uh, yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard Max call it that before too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been that name for I mean, before Max even called it that, you know, everybody just knows it's the Ninth Island because so much Hawaiians, the food is very similar to Hawaii, um, and yeah, you get you get everything here. And then not only that is my teammates, um, very good, um, very good teammates, you know, as far as like, as just people. I mean, I, I got, I've got, I've got like one of the best teams in the world, like, and, and my Hawaiian bunch here, um, they've been really good to me. They've, they've blended me in right well. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's been good. Like guys, all, all the boys, all the boys, you know, Dan Ige. Um, Boston Salmon, Brad Tavares, um, Puna Soriano, all those guys, they have been, um, they have been a big help in me getting adjusted. Yeah, that's fantastic, dude. We, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We touched on it, but you actually wrestled for Midland University in Nebraska. That is a long way from where you grew up. What was the pipeline? Like, how did you find out about them? Did they recruit you out of high school? But how did you find yourself uh, ending up in Nebraska going to Midland University? Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I was a state champion in high school and I was already, I kind of stopped playing football, you know, at, at a certain age just because, I mean, I mean, physically, you know, <laughs> Mom, we're not going to, I mean, I'm not going to get that big already. So I stopped playing football. And I was just traveling for wrestling camps. And then, um, yeah, I did well in high school. And then I, I went, I got recruited by them um, right after, yeah, my senior year. And that's how I ended up there. I remember, um, I remember when I had Rafian Stotts on the show a couple of months ago. And I remember him telling me about his first winter uh, in Nebraska. What was your first winter like in Nebraska? Do you remember it at all, dude? Um, it actually went pretty well just cause, um, I mean, it, one of my friends, my, my good friend still, still yet, he kind of was telling me like, it's all mental, you know, it's just, it's just all mental. You're going to, you're not going to die, you know? And then once I, once I got that mindset, I mean, it got, I mean, it kind of was, it kind of got easier. Like, you know, it's all mental. This cool is all mental. So, I mean, <laughs> just, yeah, just, it was just I mean, more of a mentality to fight it. Um, and, but it wasn't not it, it wasn't that bad. And funny that you say that, Rafael. Like me and him, we were, we're friends from back then. Um, I uh, he I mean he obviously wrestled in Nebraska, so he would right. travel. He would travel back, and, and we've trained together from like the beginning beginning of my career. So that's yeah. Yeah, I remember because uh, he he was originally from Texas, so we talked about the the cold and the heat difference, and you know now he trains in uh, now he trains in Milwaukee, so he just he just got used to that cold, and you know being from Michigan myself, it's I'm sitting right now here, Kai, and it's negative uh, two degrees with a high wind, and there's about six inches of snow on the ground, and holy smokes, I've lived here almost my whole life, and man, I don't ever get used to it, bro. I need to adopt your mentality. I've just gotta just gotta have the tough mental attitude about it, my friend. Um, <sighs> So in, re- in researching you for this uh, interview, I, you know, I watched several fights of your career. 
Um, one thing that's really stood out to me was your cardio, dude. Of course, you've got you're you're a really well-rounded fighter. There's really good striking. The, the grappling has really come along since you know your early fights into now. But the thing, like I said, the thing that like if I had to rate you, you know, for like building a video game, cardio would be one of the very top top tier things about you, dude. What do you attribute that cardio to? Is it just is it just grinding worth work ethic? Is it something that you started early on, you know, learning how to run or get your road work in or, or how do you, what do you attribute that really high level of cardio to? Cause not many guys in the pro game have that where you're at right now in your cardio level. Um, honestly, it, it, it came from, what is it? Like I had, I was cutting to 35 and it was a lot. So, I mean, cardio, you have to just, I had like, that was the big thing, right? I gotta, I gotta run. I gotta, I gotta run. I gotta lose weight. But then after a while, it's like, um, I, I switched weight class because the weight cut was too much, but the but the the cardio still stayed as far as like I wanted to be in better shape than the guys that I was going like um, at a heavier weight class. Now you know that that was that was my thing. I wanted to I wanted to have that in my back pocket, and it was I mean it's just something. I mean the worst way to lose is is to be tired. You know, like because yeah. you, no you have no control over your body um, at that point and. So I mean, I'd rather get knocked out. I'd rather get submitted, but I I'm not gonna be tired. You know what I mean? At least, but but not being tired, you kind of eliminate those other factors. You know what I mean? You you you're still competent enough to think and and get yourself through out of certain situations like submissions and like keeping your hands up and not getting knocked out. So I mean, fatigue makes a coward out of us all. They say. So I mean, that's that. that I I I mean, sometimes I'm told to rest because I mean. I just want to, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. Cause I mean, you don't, that's one thing you don't ever know how, um, how you can't really measure somebody's cardio. You know what I mean? So you, you have to always be trained. You have to always be trained. And, and I feel like you always have to be doing more. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just a w weird situation. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. you can't, you can't train, like you can remember te techniques, but you can't remember cardio. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's weird. You can't like drill tech. You you can drill techniques, but you can't like drill cardio. I don't know. It's a weird thing. You just gotta. It's it's a, it's like a it's like a limit that you you can't ever see. That's like a true limit. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, can't yeah, ever yeah. see cardio. Yeah. Well, whatever whatever you've done or whatever you continue to do, it puts you at a different level. Of, like I said, definitely whoever you face in your competition, because you watch any of your older fights, and I'm sure your fights moving forward. That that third third fourth fifth minute of the third fourth or fifth round. You've got absolutely the same amount of snap, the same amount of speed in your footwork, the same transitions as you had in the first round, which you don't see very often, dude. And I really think that's going to be an amazing, you know, thing that you have over your opponents moving forward. So, you know, kudos to you on that um, as far as your cardio, dude. And I hope that continues to uh, be something that other people notice as well because you deserve it for all the work you put into it. Um, so we are now going to get into our ninth round, Kai, which is one of my favorite rounds here as the host of this show. I love the I love food culture. I love different foods from across the world, different things uh, that I've seen or heard about or we see on MMA Twitter. Everyone's got these old, you know, different cool regional specialties that they post pictures of or that they make. Now, you are from one of the greatest food cultures in the entire world, bar none. Hawaiian food is some of the best food in the world. I talked to Monica a little bit about this as well. But if you're going to go with what's your, you've already done your weight cut, you've already had your fight, you've already gotten through the whole process, dude. No more cutting weight, no nothing. It's time to really indulge. It's time to really have a big meal with your friends and your family. What are you going for and where are you getting it from? Um, 
I don't know. I, I love sushi. So, I mean, um, we got, like, there, there's a bunch of sushi spots out here that um, that are run by Hawaiian, Hawaiian like, Hawaiian style. And, uh, like, island sushi out here is one of a go- is like one of my go-tos in Vegas. And, yeah, I feel like I'm at home. The ambiance is like I'm in Hawaii. The music. And, yes, I mean, in Vegas, that, that's my go-to here. And But sushi in general, I love sushi. So, so we're going, uh, do you, is there a specific kind of, like, like yellowfin? Like, do you have any kind of sushi that's, like, really, like, your, your main one? Uh, sure. I just like, like, I like sashimi and uh, I like ahi. So, I mean, yeah, um, just, like, just fresh fish in general. Sure. So, yeah. Well, you, you, you've got one of the healthier versions. Most of the most of the time, we have somebody on, and we, we we're always talking about pizza and beer or wings and beer. So you're doing <laughs> you're going a much more uh, healthier option on that one. So good for you on that, my dude. Um, so once again, fight fam, we are now going to get into our tenth round. Where Kai, this is where you let us know all of your socials, so we as the Rhino Gang can follow you in your careers. We can keep up with your training. We can keep up with your fight announcements, and we all want to join on board with the fight in Hawaiian to be fans of your career moving forward. So dude, what are your socials and which uh, social medias are you on? Um, I mostly, I mean, I'm on Facebook, um, Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, they're just Kaiboy Kamaka, K-A-I-B-O-I and then Kamaka. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's how you can reach me. I'm pretty much, it's pretty much all the same on each platform. So. Very, very cool. Well, bro, again, I really want to tell you how much I appreciate you hanging out with us today. I know going 10 rounds of run goes really, really fast, but uh, we, we knocked it out real quick. And again, everybody check out Kai on May 1st on UFC Fight Night as he faces TJ in the 145-pound division where he's going to make some serious noise in 2021. Kai, we can't wait for you to see you in your next fight, dude, and thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. I can't wait either. This is Kai Kamaka, the Fighting Hawaiian, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Dude, how cool was Kai, man? I know I love to say that every week, but he really was fun to talk to. I, I'm telling you, I'm a real fan of his fight style. He is all action, all moving forward. He is a fantastic fighter, and I think he's going to move in, uh, move into that top 10, top 12 ranking very, very soon at the very deep 145-pound division. This guy's gonna, this kid's going to make some noise. I'm telling you right now, he is a quite the exciting fighter. So check him out. Thank you again so much, Ty, for your time today. Let's go ahead and get into our uh, our outro and our shout-outs to everybody who participated in this week's forum. We got my homie Brian from Home and Sale. We got my boy RSP, Scott Nolan, Juicy Fruit Bebe from the Friendly Sparring Pod, which I believe debuts today. The gym, well, the rebrand, I should call it. Uh, Jim Asu, the big homie, the OG. My man, Dave Fretz. The Crons, very heavy Canadian, uh, <laughs> very heavy Canadian love today, which I, I am all about. Thank you very much, my broskies from up north. Also want to shout out my girl, Lanta. I had no idea about that Manscaped thing that you guys were, uh, that really caught on, but Lanta was the one who started it. Thank you so much, my dear. Uh, Angel, Brat, APB, Mr. B, Miss Fight Diva, Sin City Sarah, Marquise, my boxing broski from Weeks House Radio, Mike, Kairos, Gina from Shots Fight. Pod, my scream queen supreme Jess, both of the fabulous Pamela's, all oh, the underdog MMA crew, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, and of course their manager Jason. Love you guys. Thank you guys so much for your support, especially as of late. Fantastic, wonderful crew of people. Of course, to my triple D, Drea, D Reigns, Dave Fretz. I, I could not do a show without you guys. Best engineer in the biz, best graphic designer, and my feature player. Come on, baby. Can't lose. Clear eyes, pure hearts. 
Can't lose. <laughs> I want everybody to be stay safe out there. Happy Valentine's Day, right? Okay. Wear your mask. Be socially distanced. Black Lives Matter. Be kind. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!